Well, good morning, church. It is always a blessing for us to be together. Uh, Lauren and I and the girls had uh, the pleasure of spending last week in the, the Portland area with my family. Uh, and we, we don't get to spend a ton of time with my family. And it's always one of those just precious times, especially getting to watch uh, the girls with my parents and just the, the, the memories that are being made. And I'm sure many of you uh, had similar experiences this past week. Uh, it's, it's always a little complicated as well. You know, family is that way. It can be a deep and profound blessing. It can also be, you know, there's a lot of logistics when you get that many people in, in one house together and trying to get around. You can't even get around one table a lot of times. You've got the, that card table that kind of shines this time of year that never gets pulled out of the garage. It gets, it gets pulled out. You, you pull every different chair you've got in the house just to be together. And as, as Thanksgiving is one of those times where we feel that togetherness, it's also the beginning of the countdown in our hearts until Christmas. In case you need a reminder, you have 28 shopping days left. Uh, 28 shopping days left. This time of year, as much as it is about family and friends and to get, to get excuse me, togetherness, it's also a time of pressure. It's a time of stress. It's a time of not enough sleep. It's a time where when someone like Karen asks you, and I, I appreciated so much our time around the table this morning together, but when someone asks you to slow down and take a breath, not only is it challenging for you to do that because of all that you have going on, but you start to feel maybe a little bit sleepy. I thought about having us do a breathing exercise at the beginning of the sermon. I thought, no, I'm going to lose half the audience uh, if, if we do that. This is not always the easiest time of year for lots of reasons. It's not only all that we have to do. Sometimes it's that this time of year reminds us of someone who's missing, uh, someone who wasn't at the table around Thanksgiving and isn't going to be there on Christmas Day. Sometimes it's a reminder of the challenges that we have in our lives that as much as we want to ignore, we can't. The challenges in our world that we would like to, to shield our minds from, but, but we can't because we bring those challenges with us into this very moment. This time of the year, it, it's, it's complicated there's a lot going on. There's a lot of ways that our, our hearts are being pulled in different directions. And when I was growing up, we kept our, our church experience very separate from the Christmas season. And we weren't doing that on accident. We were doing it because we didn't want to be anything like the Catholics. I'm not joking. And I'm not trying to say anything negative uh, about uh, people in this room who may have a Catholic heritage and background in their, in their faith journeys. I'm saying that it wasn't accidental that we kept this connection of the story of Jesus' arrival into our world, we kept that really separate from Santa and Rudolph and Frosty and opening presents. And it was, it was not out of a concern of trying to be less like the world, it was out of a concern of being less like a different version of church. And there are reasons for those kinds of decisions that get made 
right? And, and it's a tradition that I, I was born into. I wasn't a part of those conversations, but my life, my spiritual journey was deeply shaped by that decision. And for, for those of you in the room who, who throughout this month, you kind of have a little twinge when you walk through the back door there, and the lights are dimmed a little bit, and we've got some Christmas trees on stage, and we're going to talk each week about these themes of you know, peace and hope and joy and love, while, the, while many other faith traditions in the Christian family are going to be doing the same thing. There may be a part of you that worries, what if we're becoming too much like other churches? And again, there's reasons for those kinds of conversations and concerns. And I'm not trying in any way to make light of them. I'm just wanting us to recognize that now we're trying to make a different kind of decision. And it's not on accident. And it's not because we're trying to sneak our way into becoming a Catholic church on accident or unconsciously. That's not what's happening here. We're trying to tap into a broader Christian tradition of trying to reclaim a sense of time, trying to reclaim the calendar with our faith, trying to say that as fun as it is to sing songs or to hear songs sung about Frosty and Rudolph and Santa, that there's something deeper going on here that we don't want to lose connection with. And even if other church traditions have throughout the years held that connection more closely than we have, we're able to look at what other traditions do and learn from that wisdom, learn from that insight without totally becoming a part of that stream of the tradition. In other words, there's a way to do this without losing who we are, without losing our identity. And it's really important for us to think about that as a congregation. So for those of you who come in throughout this month and you're going to be feeling like, I don't know if I'm even allowed to like Advent, I want to assure you that it's important work that we're doing to connect this time of year with something deeper than that consumeristic, trying to find the right gift for the right person to try to make this season work. The, the true gifts of this time of year cannot be bought and wrapped up and put under a tree. They can't. And we as people of faith want to celebrate the gift that can only, we believe, come from God. Peace, hope, joy, love. And they come to us not in the form of something, but in the form of someone. And it helps us wrestle with not only the degree to which we have experienced moments of peace and hope and joy and love in our lives, but how there are so many other things going on in our world and in our experiences that make us yearn for even more hope, peace, joy, love. Right? The parts of us that long for more of Christ. I love this time of year. And growing up, this time of year only meant making sure that I got the right list to my parents and hoping they were going to pick the, the one thing I wanted most. I, I love connecting with a deeper spiritual 
truth that I am longing for something, but it's not something as much as it's someone. And that as thankful as I am for my experiences of Jesus in my life, I, I want, I, I yearn for more. And that I can actually not only receive the gift of Christ, but when I open my life up to it, when I open my heart up, when I open my mind and my imagination up, I can be the way someone else experiences the gift of Christ. Not only in this time of year, but all the time. That's what Advent is trying to do, and I think it's important for us to to recognize that, right? That the faith tradition of Advent infuses the Christmas season with the spiritual depth we need. And it's fine to say that once, but what I find in my own life, especially in, in this month of the year where we're counting down shopping days and we're trying to get things knocked off our to-do list, and we're, I, I need this reminder every day that there's something deeper going on here, that my heart is longing for something that's more than just the way our world celebrates this time of year, and that the church gets to have a voice That our church gets to have a voice in my life for how I want to go through this next month as a follower of Jesus. So as we continue to focus this morning on the gift of peace, I want us to read together a portion of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, where in Philippians 4.4 he writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul doesn't write things in his letters at random. Paul is envisioning the church, the congregation, the the members who've gathered together to listen to his words read out loud in in a worship experience, right? He's envisioning faces and lives and what they need to hear most. And And rest assured that the things you and I struggle with, the things that rob us of a sense of peace, they're not new. That we are not the first Christians to struggle with having some peace in our lives, but not nearly enough. Longing, wanting, waiting for something that we feel like we desperately need, but we don't know, we don't know how to take a hold of it in the way that, that we wish we could figure it out. We, just, we wish we could understand it. We wish we could just make it happen. One of the things that I, I've always noticed about this passage, right, at the, the, this last verse, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ. When you, when you read that or you hear it read at first, you may think, well, it's, it's God's peace that's so amazing we can't understand it. We can't understand the peace itself. And I think that that's true But I also think there's another aspect 
there's another layer of meaning that Paul's trying to get at. And that, that goes beyond saying the peace itself is so amazing that we can't understand it. And I think he's saying that, look, it's possible for us to have peace even when it's impossible for us to have understanding. That it's not just the peace that's too amazing for us to understand. Paul's saying there's all kinds of things in your life that you don't understand. And some of it's great, some of it's beautiful, right? Try, try, to, try to get to a place where you would say, I fully understand love. That I understand all of its beauty, that I understand all of the, the strength that love can can bless my life with, that I understand all the ways that people figure out how to stay committed to that, that relationship that, that they don't only experience, but they hope the other person gets to experience their true worth, right? That, that love alone is able to help us go through that kind of give and take that changes us for the better. I could keep going, right? Love is, is too much for us to fully understand, and God's hope is too much for us to fully understand, and God's joy is too much for us to fully understand. God's peace is too much for us to fully understand. There's all kinds of amazing good things that are too much for us to understand. But I think Paul's actually getting at something different when he starts out the passage saying, don't be anxious. Don't, don't be overly aggressive with people trying to force your way. When you start out talking like that and then you say there's a peace that transcends understanding, I think he's saying not only do you have amazing things that are beyond your ability to comprehend, but you go through difficult things that are beyond your ability to understand and comprehend. And I know that's true. Just as much as I know I can't fully capture in words what love means to me. I, I am not able, when I look at the state of our world, when I look at what's going on in our everyday lives, when, when I look at some of the people around me that I just don't get, I realize that there's all kinds of things that I don't understand. And if I tell myself that the only way I'm going to find peace in my soul is to figure it all out, then I have set a trap for myself where I'm never really going to experience the peace that God longs to give me. Because God can bless me with that divine, sacred peace. And God doesn't have to accomplish that through giving me full understanding of why people in our world do what they do, why bad things happen that don't add up, why people who, who I, I share life with, why they do what they do and why they think the way they think and maybe for some of us, why they vote the way they vote, right? There's all kinds of ways that we look at our world and the people around us and we just shake our heads and we think, I don't, I don't get it. And Paul says, yeah, you know, all of us have these moments where we realize how little we understand. And yet, even in the midst of that recognition, even in the midst of seeing that truth, God can bring us his peace, and it's a peace that comforts us 
not just when we don't understand, but I think especially when we don't understand, especially when our hearts are broken by the, the state of what's happening and we're frustrated and we're, we're hurting and we just want someone to give us the answers and we realize there aren't any real clear answers. It's in that kind of moment that when nothing else can help, Paul says God's peace can help. You just gotta be open. You, you gotta receive it. You gotta let it touch your heart and your soul even when you still have questions and doubts and you haven't figured it all out. God's peace can break in even in those kinds of moments. I think along the same lines, Paul's trying to get us to think through the truth that in a world full of unavoidable risk, right, the the peace of God has the power to protect your heart and your mind from all those things. All those issues, all of those concerns that you're well aware of the danger. You're, You're well aware of the risk. You know, there's a part of us, when we get hurt, whether it's at the hands of someone else, or it's how they've, they've treated us, or it's, you know, because we, we tried and we failed and our, our confidence is gone, or it's because we, we just have this sense inside of us, this restlessness, that however good things are, it's, it's still, it's not perfect, and so it's a disappointment to us, that then in the midst of all of that truth of, okay, yeah, the world is far from what it's supposed to be and, and, and you got to get out there and even if you've had your heart broken before or even if someone's you know, mistreated you before, you, you can't just stay inside of yourself. you gotta, you got to take that risk to get out there again. and It can be easy to give in, right? It can be easy to give in to just this kind of hard-hearted cynicism where you just think, you know what, it doesn't matter what I do, it's, it's, gonna, it's just going to go the way it goes, and so I, I don't have to try that hard because I can't do it anyway. I, I remember there was a, an elder at a church that I, I worked at before, I'm not going to name any names, and he was, he was a guy I really enjoyed spending time with, but one of the things he would always say when we talked about complicated things that were either going on in our church or in our nation or our world, he would also always say, you know, there's not going to be peace in my lifetime. We're not going to see eye to eye. We're not going to figure this out. So you know what? We need to stop working at it because we're just, we're just banging our heads against the wall. It's not going to happen. There's, there's not going to be peace in my lifetime. And every time we would say that, I thought... Man, on one level, I relate to that. On another level, man, that's sad, right? That every time we we find ourselves in a situation that's calling for the deep, redemptive work of healing the divisions in our world or in our families or in our churches, in our relationships, that we just kind of throw our hands up and say, yeah, this is just what happens, and we're not going to figure it out, and we're not going to get, there's not going to be peace in my lifetime. Paul's saying, no, we don't, we don't get to get to a place where we just throw our hands up and say it's not going to happen. Because once we do that, we're, we're not going to work towards it. If you don't believe something can happen, you don't live looking for the opportunities for it to happen. 
and you miss them. You don't see them. It's not just that, though, right? We have people who, beyond cynicism, they're experiencing true despair. And, and it's not just other people. You and I, we have moments of true despair where it's not just that we, we kind of think, well, our, our attempts aren't really going to work or, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of focus on my thing and not worry about you. It's deeper than that. It's a sense that things are broken and they're only going to get worse And I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get up every single day and act like I believe that they could get better. All of us have a sense that there was a time in the past somewhere that was better than things are right now. It takes a different kind of faith to believe that in the future. That not today, but tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, that somehow we believe that God still loves this world in a way, and is entering into this world in a way, and is committed to this world in a way, where the best days really are yet to come. That's why we get up in the morning. That's what keeps us going when nothing else can give us the energy to believe. But you know what? We may not be able to make peace happen, but we're not the only people We're not the only source of peace in our world. In fact, there is a deeper source of peace. There is a better person in Christ who's constantly working to mend the divisions in our world. And so even if we're tempted to believe we can't do it, and even if we wake up some mornings and we think it's only going to get worse, things never seem to get better, we... We come back to this place. We come back to the words of Scripture. We come back to the imagination of the Apostle Paul who says, you know what? It may not always feel like it, but the Lord is near. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to give them into to despair. You don't have to decide that things are just too complicated. That, but no. Look for Christ. Look for the ways that Jesus is stepping into your life. And when you find him doing this work of mending broken people back together again, do what you can to be a part of it. The the other thing that I think we're tempted to to kind of give into, right, there's cynicism and despair. I think the other thing we tend to give into is we really only look out for ourselves, right? We have this unending ambition. There are all kinds of voices in our world, right? One of the voices that I think speaks, speaks loud and clear often is there's not, there's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough love. There's not enough success. There's, there's not enough land, right? There's, there's not enough resource that, that we can tap into to, to take care of all the things that we need and, and everybody else in the world have what they need. I think we just, as, a, as a, a planet, just passed 8 billion people, right? You read things like that and you think, okay, I need, to, I need to watch out for myself. I need to gather what I can. I need to protect what I can. I need to, and it just never stops because you get to the place where that story, that voice keeps assuring you that however much you have, you always need more. This is especially, I think, the danger of separating how our world tends to talk about and think about Christmas and how the church is trying to think about Advent. 
I mean, you're going to be bombarded, if you haven't already, with ads on TV and on your phone and on the radio that keep telling you that your happiness, that your joy, that your sense of connectedness to another person, it's just just out of reach. If you just get this thing, if you just buy this, if you just spend your money this way, if you just invest this way, it, it, it's you just, right? And it taps into that fear that we have that there's not enough. I need more. You can't have peace when you're scared that every good thing is going to run out. That in order for me to to have all that I need, I'm probably going to have to take it from somebody else. That in order for me to have the meaning and the purpose and the happiness that I want, I'm going to have to throw a few elbows and I'm going to have to try to you know, push some people out of my way and I'm going to have to keep pressing. What would it mean for us to be able to find a sense of peace and rest in the assurance that the God who has given us life knows better than we do what it takes to sustain our lives and that the God who has constantly been generous to us is not going to suddenly decide to stop That every good thing you have in your life is a gift. That it comes from the heart of God and that God is going to continue to bless you and me and all of us with enough. Now God has never promised to keep giving beyond what we need. I think we wish God would promise to give us far more than we need. But God always promises to give us what we need to keep going. God has always given me what I need to keep going. God has always given you what you've needed to keep going. After all, it's why you're here this morning. That God, that character of God, generosity, boundless, endless generosity, it's not going anywhere. We can rest assured that there has always been enough and there will always be enough. And so we find a sense of peace that is so hard for our world to find impossible for our world to find. This peace that Jesus makes possible, this peace that God pours into our lives, it's resilient. And it's resilient because it's eternal. Right? It's, it's durable because of who it comes from. Right? This is a peace that It's not fleeting. It's not just something you and I get to experience when everything in our world is right and makes sense because what we've been talking about this morning is it's a peace that comes in spite of of the challenges when life doesn't make sense. It's a peace that comes from another time and another place. It's a peace that's coming to us, brothers and sisters, from God's good future. A future that we call heaven. That the Bible keeps telling us over and over is breaking in, that it's coming to us, that we're, we're not just getting older every day, but that every day the future is, is closing in, right? And so when Paul says the Lord is near, he's also saying the Lord is drawing closer and closer to you in ways that you both see and in ways that you don't see, in ways that you feel and ways that you don't feel. The, the, the fact that Jesus is with us is something we can both experience, but it's also something we have to trust. 
this peace that God longs to give us, it doesn't come from us. It's not something we can manufacture. It's, it's something that we have to create space for. It's something that we have to, to learn how to receive without having to control it. When you think about the way Christians have often interacted with the world, I think you'd have to admit that oftentimes, just as Paul warns us, he says, you know, don't, don't be ugly in, in the ways that you interact with people, right? Let your gentleness, he says, be evident to all. Let it be something that everybody can see, that when people are around you, they have a sense of the peace that God's given you, and they feel at peace when they're in your presence. And afterwards, when they're reflecting on the interaction or the conversation that they had with you, they have a sense of peace wash over them. That's who we can be as a church, as individual followers of Christ, as we relate to people who don't share our faith. We can be people of peace, not just people who who have the truth and we haven't figured out and we're the ones who are explaining it to everybody else. And I know often I can slip into that kind of posture and that interaction with other people. But I think more than anything else, what, what someone would really notice about you is when God's peace washes over them because of how you interact with them. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we want to reach people with the good news of Jesus... I think the best first step, I think the best open door is not loudly declaring the truth as we understand it. It's sharing the peace of God that has come to us in Jesus and is only made possible through us because of the Holy Spirit. It's that peace that comes from another time and another place in a world that is killing itself because of a lack of peace. I don't want us to win the conflicts. I don't want us as a, as a heritage to win the war. I want us to make peace. And in order for that to happen, we have to make peace. We have to make peace the most important thing when it comes to how we're treating other people. And it's not easy. In fact, I think it's the hardest task we're called to. But after all, Paul, who not only talks about peace in this passage, but in his correspondence with that church in Corinth, he says, you know what? You're not just supposed to be someone who lets, you know, Jesus' work wash over your life and put you at peace with God, but you're supposed to be the ambassadors of peace for everyone, that you're bringing the whole world back to God. Look, I know there's ways that we, in the past, that we have failed to be people of peace. And I'm not interested this morning in, in making anybody feel guilty about those moments because I have plenty of them myself. I just want to remind us, I want to, re I want to remind me, that instead of bringing people to God 
through explanations of who God is and what Jesus did and how to understand the Holy Spirit that I just, more than any of that, I try to help them have, have that sense that God loves them and that God embraces them and that I want to not just talk about that, but I want to help them experience that embrace through me. I'm convinced that if we'll just, if we'll focus on making peace the most important thing, that we will open doors in the hearts of other people and we, will, we won't be able to handle all of the, the transformation, all of the lives that will be touched, all of the people who will be, be brought closer into communion with God. If we'll make peace the most important thing, We'll find the truth when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We'll find that in a whole new way. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, I I want you to think about the things in your life that make it hard for you to experience the peace of God. I want you to think about people in your life who you know need to experience the peace of God. And I want you to hold your life and the lives of other people up as as we sing. I want you to to hold your life up to the throne of, of grace. And I want you to ask God to give us the wisdom, to give us the courage, to give us the imagination to figure out not, not just how to receive that peace, but how to how to be that peace in a world that doesn't know how to find it. Let's stand and sing.